Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Joining me today is Helen Drinkall from Angles Ark Beef and Lamb Boxes. We're going to be talking to Helen all about uh, living on a farm, what it's like, what her beef and lamb boxes are in a more sort of detailed way and a bit about sort of shopping uh, local and what that means. So welcome to the podcast, Helen. How are you today? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good. So where we are today in Angles Ark, why don't you give me a bit of not history, but like how long have you farmed here? What is what does your farm consist of? Okay, uh, we're a hill farm. Um, Angles Ark's uh, basically a hill on the edge of Chorley. Um, I'm a third generation tenant farmer here. Um, we have beef cattle and sheep. Um, we have roughly 2,000 breeding ewes and we've recently cut the cattle down to about 30 breeding suckler cattle, uh, all short horns now. Uh, we used to have around 120 uh, predominantly Angus suckler cattle, but just with the recent, well, upcoming uh, single farm payment cuts, we decided to step away from the cattle a little bit, mm. uh, lessen the numbers, um, and yeah, just go from there, see how that goes. <laughs> so take me back to when you were younger. Did you always kind of, obviously you said like third generation, did you always want to be a farmer and work on the farm? Was that kind of from a young age your, your plan? Yeah, no. Um, I was kind of wanting to end up here eventually. I didn't kind of necessarily plan on coming straight back from uni. Um, my dad was always quite open-minded about it. My mum didn't want me to come and work on the farm at all. She wasn't really from a farming background and doesn't necessarily appreciate the farming lifestyle and like the limits that it comes with. So she kind of wanted me to branch away from it. But um, I think it was in like my third year of uni, I was on placement. Um, I did rural surveying at uni and I just sort of decided office life wasn't for me and I've always loved the farm like every opportunity I got I was always back at home working on the farm lambing on tractors at haymaking and whatever and I just sort of had the conversation with my dad like how would you feel about me coming home and he was like yeah go for it so I uh, finished uni got my degree and then literally came straight home um, I would probably like to have gone and done something else first but my dad's argument was that he's been at home since he was 16 so he thought he had like seven years on me finishing uni at 23 I was like no you need to come home you need to start learning it so yeah I did. <laughs> did you ever sort of farm I don't know some people go to New Zealand or Australia do that kind of thing did no, you ever that's do that's what I would have really liked to do um I did go out to Australia and New Zealand but only like five weeks in Australia three weeks in New Zealand I didn't actually go and work which I do kind of regret. I should have probably put my foot down with that and said, look, I, w- I want to go. <laughs> yeah. So, like, talk me through a typical day for you, sort of at the moment in February, March time. What will you be busy doing? Uh, at the minute, my day generally starts with the cows. Uh, so, mucking out, bedding, feeding. Um, I've got quite a few sheep inside at the minute, so same with them, feeding, bedding. And then we've got sheep right here, there and everywhere at the moment. Um, with our stewardship scheme, we can't have sheep on the morning winter. So um, we have quite a lot of sheep wintering places, so they're literally dotted around all over Lancashire. So quite often need moving, sorting out. So there's generally 
a batch that needs some attention somewhere. So yeah, sort that out. And then I guess lambing, when does that kind of thing start for you? For us, just with us being in the hills, it's quite late. We don't start till the uh, 10th of April this year. Um, so yeah, now it's kind of like calm before the storm. We scan in a couple of weeks, so then we'll have a better idea of where we're at and kind of sorting everything into batches and areas starts then. And how long does that season take to kind of, like you said, the, the really busy period, how long does that take? Uh, it's usually like four weeks of being really, really busy. We carve at the same time, so that kind of like adds to it as well. Um, I'd usually say beginning of June, first week in June, we usually try and get a holiday if we can. Yeah, <laughs> much like deserved. Do you prefer cows or sheep or are they very much like level for you, obviously, because you have both? I'm honest, I actually prefer cows. Yeah. I just find them a lot more easy to manage. Like sheep just love to escape and are more unpredictable and you don't necessarily kind of like get to know them in the way you know mm. your cows. Like, especially now we're down to like 30, you kind of like, you see every single one every day and like study it and yeah, it, they're just nicer to work with in my opinion. Yeah, and I saw something that was like sheep have two reasons. They want to escape and they want to die. Yeah. And it's like they, they don't, they're just a bit more stupid, whereas I feel like, I don't know, cows are a bit more friendlier as well. Like they like yeah. to be stroked. And yeah, cows are just docile nicer. sometimes. Uh, yeah, if I, could, if I had to pick between a day working with cows all day and a day working with sheep all day, I'd choose cows. Yeah. So in Angle's Ark, I mean, I'm here in the evening and it's, been a bit foggy and a bit rainy to get here what like weather is it and what's the terrain like how does that affect what you're doing my dad always says there's a reason that we're surrounded by reservoirs it's like it rains a lot it's wet our ground's really wet i've just been away for a couple of days and uh, we're coming back up the hill and obviously it's just rain doesn't it solidly for like mm. a good week now i was with my sister and she's like why are the sheep black and i was like because the ground will be just like solid mud now. We're obviously feeding a few outside and they're just, it's just mud. It's like wet, really, really wet ground or ground. Do you grow any sort of crops for this or how do you sort of feed your animals here then? It's all grass-based at home. Um, our ground isn't suitable for growing crops. We can, we're literally limited to like cattle and sheep. We can't, we can't grow crops. Um, so yeah grass, bit of barley, bit of provin for like fattening cattle, but yeah, sheep are just grass. So when you get your your cows, what's the lifespan, I guess, that they're here and like with you until they go off? Um, it varies a lot. We actually sold, I was saying before about how we've sold, well, we've sold all the Anguses, um, all of the cows that were young enough to be sold with cows and cows with calves at foot went in I think it was like May, June they got sold. Many cows that were too old to be called, sold as a cow with a calf at foot have been fattening the cows and then selling them at auction and the oldest cow went last Monday and I think she was born in 2006 wow. so like yeah really old girl she'd had something like 13 calves over a year over the years like never missed mm. she's yeah um, but yeah it, just, it varies on the cow um, 
What's it like when you sell a cow that old then that you've had here for such a long time? I'm not gonna lie, it's a little bit like emotional. Like, as she was leaving, I was like, you wanna give her like a little round of applause as she's going? She's just, it, it's, yeah, it's a bit sad, but it's not like she's going to be like, you know, wasted. She's going, yeah. it's, it's food at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, I was gonna ask, what do you kind of, what would your argument be to someone who's you know, you don't care for your animals, you don't stroke them, you know, you know, you're not even bothered when they leave, when, you know, they leave for food or anything. What would your kind of comeback be? I always say, because I get like beef and lamb customers asking me this when I get chatting to them, like, oh, do you not get attached? Is mm. it not really sad? And I always say, like, if they weren't going into the food chain, then they would never have existed. So mm. as long as you give them, like, a nice enough life that's like, you know, a good enough reason to have lived yeah it's worthwhile do you know what I mean like it's worth existing for yeah that's always like my reason I was sort of yeah they've had a nice enough life so it's okay that they're then going yeah. to be eaten because if they weren't going to be eaten they wouldn't have lived yeah and like f farmers are coming under more and more pressure aren't they to, you mm -hmm. know with meat free monday veganuary um a lot of environment talk about oh if you just drop your meat on one day or if you it's the equivalent of not using your car for a week or something crazy like that what have you noticed in industry it's getting harder there's more people kind of against you or are more people now for you it's a hard question um there is um to be honest like the price of beef and lamb at the minute, is, minute isn't too bad so I wouldn't say we've been affected in that sense. I think more people are more interested now in where the food's coming from, so they're more mm. interested in shopping local, and when they do eat meat, they want to make sure it's like the best meat they can afford, which is good. Um, but it's just a bit sad when you see it in the media. Like, it's always, I feel like we're constantly being, like, we call, I always call it farmer bashing. Mm. Like, um, so like I said, I've been away for a couple of days. We went down to London, I went to the National History Museum and there was like an entire section there all about how you should be like eating less meat and like all about how like this much of the earth is used for you know producing uh, producing meat and how we should cut it down and how it's like you know destroying the rainforests and all that and I was like god I've come down to London and I'm in the nat um, Natural History Museum and I'm still getting like yeah farmer bashed. You'd think though like you said earlier, if you didn't put cattle or sheep on this land here, what would it be used for? You know, you can't, yeah, grow, exactly. can't grow crops on it or things. Yeah, this, this landscape is the way it is because it's being farmed. It would be completely different if it wasn't. Yeah, you were talking about sort of shopping local with meat and things like that. So I think, really, I think in, I've noticed in the pandemic, people have really, that's when people have gone to farm shops over supermarkets and things like that in terms of finding their locally sourced meat and that. Is it cheaper to go to a farm shop or go to yourself and sort of get the meat that way if people are sort of fixed on price compared to like the supermarket? What's the kind of difference with that? I think it depends where you go and what sort of meat you are buying at the supermarket. If you buy like the highest end, like every sort of supermarket, Every supermarket has its like different sort of categories, doesn't it? It has like the best stuff, the mediocre stuff, and then like your value stuff. I would say maybe farm shops are perhaps on par with like the best stuff, mm. price-wise. Um, so, yeah, it just sort of depends what you can afford, afford, I guess. And I would always sort of say 
the more you spend perhaps the better life the animals had yeah so if you want to kind of like do your bit for the environment and eat less meat and maybe eat less but eat when you do eat it eat the better stuff yeah when you were mentioning about like single farm payment and that do you want to maybe explain for for people who aren't are listening but not in the farming world sort of what that means for the price of food when it ends like how it's subsidized and you know things like that yeah so um we used to get paid an amount per acre so on a hill farm obviously it's like quite a big moor so it was quite a substantial payment and we used to kind of be able to probably wasn't the best like business wise but cattle it kind of didn't matter too much if it was a bad year or a good year price wise or if um you know the price of something had shot up but you know the price of beef would stay the same because we could kind of prop it up a little bit with a single farm payment whereas now single farm payments being cut it's all about making sure that everything pays Mm. so like with the cattle for example we've found that um it's because of the cattle that we have to have like four tractors and like the cost of maintaining those tractors has gone up the cost of servicing the cost of buying the tractor itself over the years it's like yeah skyrocketed skyrocketed yeah completely disproportionately to the price of um beef like straw as well that's rocketed that's probably yeah i'm not sure exactly on figures but it's it's all completely disproportionate to the price that we're actually being paid for the end product so yeah we kind of decided right we need to cut those down and, and we've since got rid of two tractors staff numbers have kind of yeah they've halved we used to have two students don't have any students anymore um one of our main guys we've cut his days down um just because we've got rid of the cattle so like we've been able to like massively decrease costs because mm. we haven't got the cattle anymore um which is sad but if it's what we have to do to make it pay it's what we've got to do yeah and what about wool? I know last time I came here, you were, you know, sheep shearing was well underway and you were telling me that, you know, you, the, there's no... There's no value in wool, no. It costs more to get the wool off the sheep's back than it does, like, what we actually get paid for it. So, let's say, for a fleece we get, like, 40 feet, it costs, like... £1.20 for the shearer to get it off plus all like the extra staff running around kind of like keeping the sheep coming, wrapping the wool packing the wool bags it's just an expense shearing. And why is there no value in it at the moment? Is it just something that's happening at the moment or is it something that's sort of been happening for a while? I just don't think it's used as much as it used to be um, which, is, which it shouldn't be really because it's a natural product like plastic alternatives uh, not, not as good for the environment I guess um, so yeah we should be looking for more ways to utilise wool really yeah and I think obviously the counter argument is oh it hurts the sheep you know getting sheared and that but they actually need to have oh yeah yeah a sheep needs shearing it's every now and again we'll kind of get like a sheep that's avoided us on the gather so just before shearing all the sheep are out on the moor and we spend like a week getting them all in and it's like a massive job. Like the moor's like 4,000 acres. So it's like 2,000, no, it's not a bill. It'll be like 
1,500 sheep on that, that area, so it's obviously quite a big job getting them all in, and they do get missed. So like every year you might get maybe three sheep that haven't been sheared, and they're just like, they're massive, because mm. they've obviously got like double the amount of wool, and it's just... In the, in the summer want, as well, you wouldn't... Yeah, you wouldn't want to be a sheep that's not been sheared in summer. Um, so yeah, it's for the benefit of the sheep that they get sheared, and say it takes like two minutes, doesn't harm the sheep, no, satisfying to watch when I was there. Yeah. Um, and so you set up this beef and lamb box kind of business. What was what was the thought behind that? Why you set it up? Cause it's, and how long have you been doing it? Uh, I've been doing it for about seven years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just sort of slowly grown and grown. Um, I just sort of did it to kind of get a bit of extra money out of each you know cow and sheep kind of thing um just to sort of increase the value of the end product mm-hmm. and i just thought where we are angles arc it's literally a hill surrounded by a lot of towns isn't it like we've got sort of blackburn chorley bolton horwich preston manchester mm. it's, we're like surrounded by towns so it just felt like a missed opportunity if I didn't utilise the opportunity. Yeah. And I guess you're cutting out the going to the supermarket part, aren't you? You're cutting out the middleman in a way. You're going literally straight from farm to fork. Literally, yeah, yeah. And I quite like that. I like like meeting the customers and chatting to them and they'll ask me questions about farming. It's it's nice having that sort of direct connection with the customer. Yeah, and I guess do they ask you questions about stuff and I'd I know, like, with Clarkson's farm, and that was very impactful. A lot of people said, they, oh, they had no idea the weather was that bad for you farmers and things <laughs> like that. Did that spark more people coming to you and, like, having that conversation about your beef and lamb and sort of that aspect? Yeah, I think, yeah, Clarkson's farm, I guess, yeah, it did shock a few people. Like, I have been asked about it a couple of times. Um, it did a good job of showing people what it's really like, Um in the way that he does <laughs> yeah so how does it work then so do you constantly have beef and lamb or how how does that work um yeah so with the beef i generally try to do one once a month so i'll advertise it see kind of what the general sort of uh demand is for it and then i'll send one in and then mm. it's sort of 28 days because obviously it's all hung for 28 days um from then i've got to kind of like sell it all and it usually goes well yeah (laughs) i'm not usually struggling and what what kind of things do you do you sell then is it just like i don't know the fillet bits is it loins what Uh, are in the boxes with the beef boxes i do um five or ten kilogram boxes and the fillets sold separately and i do uh, sausages and burgers separately but each box sort of has like a, a mixture of everything in it so say uh, like your, your mince, your diced beef, your roasts, steaks, rump and sirloin, um, brisket, like mm. a little bit of everything's in each box. So how long would a f- five kilo box last like I don't know two adults or like a family of four like what what because you, you wouldn't eat it your beef every day I don't, I don't think that'd be good for a balanced diet but how long kind of does that last someone? I would say if it's a family of four, say like 
two parents and then two sort of teenagers mm. and the people say to me oh what should we get I would generally say like a 10 kilogram box for them and if it's a couple I'd say a five kilogram box I'd say maybe like last like two months yeah a month, I feed a lot of it <laughs> yeah I mean how much I can't like visualize that much meat is it quite a lot like is it a big box what kind of size is a it a 10 kilogram box is I would say it's like your average freezer drawer. A 10 kilogram box is like a freezer drawer full. Full of beef. Yeah. Whereas a 5 kilogram box obviously is just half that. Yeah. And so that's your your cattle, your beef mm-hmm. side. So is it sort of like when you've sent one off, do you then go to auction and get another like another one? So you've always kind of got the same. I know. It's always homebred. It's always right. born, reared here. Right. I don't, I don't buy it in for it. Okay. Um, But just... With the short horns, obviously, it's the quite a slow maturing animal. So um, it's not like they're all born in April, May, and they're ready exactly sort of 20 months later. It, it varies a bit with each animal. So I can usually sort of have it available all year round. Um, but then, yeah, with the lamb, again, because they've got quite a lot of sheep, again, we can usually sort of to be fair, it's actually a little bit hard with the lamb. It's usually from sort of August to April. I have lamb available. And what do people like? I mean, do you prefer lamb or beef? Because I'm, I'm more of a. I like chicken. I'm basic, but like, <laughs> like beef is. You can have steak. You know, like you can have all the different types. Whereas I don't know lamb. Like, is it as popular as it used to be, or is it on the comeback? I'd like to think it's on the comeback a bit. I think lockdown kind of like forced people into experimenting experiment a bit more with cooking. I think lamb's something that people perhaps maybe would have had if they went to a restaurant because they don't really know how to cook it. Yeah. Lamb Whereas, chops are pretty good. They are like my favourite part of Yeah. Like the chops. Exactly. So like people in lockdown like obviously couldn't go out. So they're like, oh, let's like, you know, try and cook something a bit different. So it kind of, like through lockdown, I could sell beef and lamb. Like there was no tomorrow. It was flying. It was, yeah. It was, that was like quite a good little benefit of lockdown really but um yeah I do understand that but I literally like google every recipe I, I don't have any recipe books as such but if I've like I've got some random thing in the freezer that I find I'll just like google it and there's always something that pops up yeah like it's a good way of discovering new sort of meal options yeah so you've got so if someone wanted like a a beef box. Mm-hmm. Like, what are your prices for those? And again, same for the lamb. Uh, for the beef, it is sixty-five pound for a five kilogram beef box, and for a ten kilogram beef box, it's one hundred twenty-five. Um, my fillet is twenty-eight pound a kilo, and the sausages are six pound for a pack of six, and the burgers are six pound for a pack of four. And then uh, with the lamb. I do two types of boxes. So there's the shepherd's box and the traditional box. Um, and you can get them as a whole or a half lamb. Uh, so the traditional box, that's sort of like a very traditionally cut up lamb. So you get like your shoulder cut into two roasting joints, your leg cut into two roasting joints, uh, chops, breast, um, and then a few leg steaks. And that's £80 for a half box and 155 for a whole. And then, so I, and then I found that people kind of didn't really always want that many roasting joints. Mm. So I spoke to my butchers and uh, we came up with a shepherd's box, which instead of the shoulder and the 
breast, which I found is what people always sort of said to me, oh, that's what's left in my freezer, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. We um, decided to do those cuts as mince, diced lamb and burgers instead, because I feel like they're a bit more versatile. Yeah. And that's uh, that's 85 for a half shepherd box and 165 for a whole. So it's, you know, like you said, so it, the bread here, fed here, and then go, I don't know, not many miles to be butchered, I guess. No. And then, you know, back here, and then you just drive them out to customers. So mm-hmm. it's very, like, within, like, a, maybe a mile, as in on your farm, it's a very small radius of where these animals... Yeah, exactly. There's, like, there's no... Yeah. Oh, like, if people no are worried miles. about their carbon carbon miles or whatever it's called, like, the... The, the best thing to do is buy yeah, your, definitely. your boxes. Definitely. Yeah, plant-based, it's bad. Yeah, it's not always that environmentally friendly, I don't think. Like, quite often I'll, like, do my little weekly shop and um, you get your vegetables and it's, like, peppers from, I might not be exactly right here, but, like, peppers from, like, Peru and mm. your avocados from, like, literally the other side of the world. I'm thinking, like, is this really that environmentally friendly compared to, like, you know, the beef that I've got in my freezer that was yeah. born and raised? It's, like, it's almost like we should go back to eating seasonally. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you can't... Definitely. Like, asparagus grows in Formby and it's always really good and it's in Peru at the moment, I think. But mm. if you can't get it here or nearby, it's almost like, well, just kind of wait for it. Like, wait for it to appear yeah. in season and Yeah, and I think it's always better that. when it's in season as well, like strawberries. There's definitely like a strawberry season, isn't there? Yeah. Like strawberries in the market at the minute are just, they don't taste like strawberries, do they? They're just like... No, and you never know what, what I don't know, sprays and stuff potentially could be on them from mm. abroad. So you then, you've, you've set up your Instagram and your stuff like that for your beef and lamb boxes. Was that mm. something you did seven years ago or is that like a more recent thing? Because I didn't know of them then mm-hmm. but that's also maybe because i was a bit younger um so has how's that been in terms of growing your business through like social media and stuff it all started out on facebook um instagram has only kind of probably been going maybe 18 months now i've had the instagram page um but it all started through advertising on facebook market page marketplace um that's kind of how I got my, the majority of my following. And then Instagram, obviously it's huge at the minute, isn't it? So I felt like I should utilise that as well. And it's like maybe a slightly younger market on um, Instagram. And I find it a lot easier to sort of, I think it's important to sort of show what you're doing day to day on the farm as well. I think people kind of get a bit more invested in the product and like they understand more about where it's coming from. If you kind of like, for example, on my stories, do like a bit of an insight into your day-to-day routine. Yeah. And it keeps the product in mind as well. I like think, oh, I'm going to be If you can kind of give like a daily reminder of your brand, it, it helps. Yeah, no, that's clever. So then like, what's the future? Like, what, what do you, do you kind of want to grow it more or are you kind of happy how it is or kind of what's the next step? What do you yeah, say? Yeah, I do definitely want to grow it. I think my next step's a website. Um, we're working on that at the minute. Um, and then at the minute I actually do all the delivering myself so I'll pick it up from the butchers and then I'll have my delivery route sort of planned from the butchers and do sort of like a lap around Lancashire what, who's the furthest home. like wh- what's the furthest you deliver to uh, Manchester like yeah. Old Trafford I've been over there oh, wow. Worsley um, sort of like the other side of Wigan 
uh, I've kind of just sort of touched on Liverpool a little bit, but that's only, I kind of, I well, I will go further, but I've got to like charge for delivery if I go that far usually. Yeah. I sort of say half an hour from Chorley, I'll do free. Anything sort of outside that, I'll kind of maybe add a little bit on. Yeah. Um, otherwise it just sort of sucks the profit out of it a bit. Yeah, so you were saying about website. All oh, right, yeah, so yeah, the website's in progress at the moment. Um, and I would like to sort of expand the customer base a little bit, maybe try um, like using courier service to go like further afield. Um, yeah, that's something I'm also looking into. Um, but would obviously need to kind of like improve the packaging a little bit, make it a bit, you know, keep it cool. So is it just you? Obviously, it's not just you on the farm, but is, are you the primary person behind this? That yeah, it's the... just me that does the beef and lamb boxes, yeah. So if people want to sort of follow along or like order some, what are your social medias? Like what's the best? How can they follow you? Like what are you? Just search Angles Art Beef and Lamb on um, Facebook or Instagram. Uh, say at the minute, I always say, people say, oh, how do I order? Just message me. I just... Um, have my trusty little Excel spreadsheet and um, need people's just names, address, phone number, and then what they would like. And if there's anything specific they kind of want in it, I can usually cater to it. Oh, well, thanks for chatting to me about that. It's really interesting. And everyone listening should support support <laughs> you and sort of support locally as well, if they're not necessarily from Lancashire, just find their, I don't know if they're down south or just find their local, local farm box Mm. Or farm shop. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at From a Lancashire Lass.